Hi, Dad. Hi, Celine. Did you know that you and I are about the same age if you count time living in the world? What do you mean? Well, as you know, I left a high-control religious group around the time you were born. So you're in your 20s then? <laughs> well, maybe in my head. The thing is, though, because I had all of my beliefs about morals, science, politics, religion, philosophy provided for me, I spent the last 25 years trying to work out what I should think about a whole bunch of stuff and work out what's going on. No one knows what's going on, Dad. <laughs> well, I think it's about time we did. What Should I Think About is a podcast that sets off on a lofty goal to make sense of the complicated, contradictory, confusing but wonderful thing we call the world. Hello and welcome to the What Should I Think About podcast. I'm Celine, And I'm Stephen. Yes. So we are talking to each other here via the wonders of the internet, mm-hmm. um, which I suppose in a way is, you know, is a virtual meeting. It's something that, I don't mm-hmm. know, even five years ago, probably i mean we had skype yeah, yeah. that was about it really and and it wasn't you know it's quite you know clunky and unless you had good fast broadband it was it, it mm. wasn't great uh but now we just don't think anything of jumping on a, mm-hmm. a video call and uh and i mean this is a great bit of software that we use called zencaster which mm-hmm. allows us to do the podcast and download the files and mm-hmm. edit it so it's it's really you know great it simulates us being in a room does yeah yeah Yeah. Uh, it means we can interview people from literally anywhere in the world Mm -hmm. uh, which is is fabulous so that's kind of i suppose in some respects the theme of today it's it's where this goes where this takes us Mm. this whole living life in a virtual world Mm -hmm. virtual reality multiverses metaverses um, does this lead to a completely uh, immersive yeah, mm-hmm. environment where yeah where we we live all our lives in it you know like ready player one or whatever is that mm-hmm. is that where we're going uh, so that's that's the question today and um, yeah I think there is an element here that is is important for particularly for our podcast which is the way that it might exploit people and how cults might fair in these environments mm. so i'd like to talk about that as well okay Should we? Where, where are we kicking off then you it's quite I a suppose, lot there yeah there is a lot um so over the last year or so I, I don't know about you but i've been hearing a heck of a lot about the metaverse mm-hmm. um obviously facebook changed its name to meta mm-hmm. um what's his face what's the guy i don't what's know Zuckerberg. Zuckerberg. Mark Zuckerberg uh, is, you know, making a big play for grabbing the metaverse and um, mm. basically making it uh, his business's business. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's lots of talk about it. So, yeah, um, that's perhaps a good place to start. Um, I think a big reason there's a lot of talk is because people don't, the people already don't trust zuckerberg with the amount of control over the internet he already has so the idea of him expanding further is creating some unease it is funny really because we all talk about it and like are disgruntled about it but you know i have three you know not that many apps on my phone realistically that i use all the time but three of the most used ones are all owned by facebook Mm, even though i'll be disgruntled about facebook and the owner of facebook you know um Mm. it's because it's part of average everyday life now you don't even think about it disconnected entirely so at the heart of this i think is this um the whole idea of web 3.0 so maybe we should talk about that first so the um i'm old enough to remember the internet coming out (laughs) when the internet was new yeah well yeah when when it's just started i remember there was a newsreader on uh itv news itn called trevor mcdonald um and i remember him talking about the internet superhighway, mm-hmm. which will be a big part of our lives in the coming years you know and and they were trying to explain what the internet superhighway was going to be mm. um and it was yeah you'd be able to access data from anywhere you'd be able to watch 
television on it. You'll be able to talk to each other on it. So all the things that, of course, we now do was being touted as something we'll be able to do. Um, if you go on YouTube and have a sort of type in early documentaries or early news programs about the internet, it mm. is absolutely hilarious watching people um, trying to understand what an at symbol meant and uh, mm-hmm. what dot com was, you know, it's just mm. absolutely hilarious. They just, you know, I mean, obviously it's just like any new technology. It was confusing. People didn't really understand what it was for. What what was the benefit of it? You know. Anyways, that was. They always say that, don't they? Like, yeah. Um, you know, when radio was new, what like I was yeah. just a fad. What's that for? We've got on fine without it. Yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah, it's interesting because now we have internet natives, so people that were born with the internet. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's um, that's internet one, if you like, one point zero, um, and then. And basically, Internet 1.0 is is a fairly static... This is so weird. I feel like I'm in my media studies from A-level. This is what we used to do, okay? <laughs> oh, dear. Yes. So, yeah. so uh, you correct me if I'm wrong then. So Internet 1 is basically uh, documents online, essentially, or it's web pages that you read. Mm-hmm. It's like the idea that there's like a garden, but you can't tend it. This is how our media teachers Right, okay, said. I like that. There's, a, yeah, there's yeah. a garden that you can't tend, like it's created, yeah. but you can't intervene yeah. with it it just is what it is it's not your garden it's not yeah. it's not an allotment <laughs> but then <laughs> in the what is it, internet 1.2 or something like that. it doesn't internet it's not 1.1 2. internet yeah. 2.0 just, in, yeah. just internet 2.0 is like yeah. it's like an allotment it's a shared garden mm. you can you can get involved so you get forums and yes. things like that um where you can you can add to the great the great internet yourself and so but each other's on. bits you know, you're all getting involved. Yeah, let's carry on with this uh, metaphor. Um, mm. I, I don't know whether everybody in the world knows whether the allotment is a is a peculiarly British thing. I don't know. I but, don't know. Uh, a little garden. patch of land that you basically uh, are able to tend, but you don't own it. But you mm-hmm. you can go on to this allotment and grow your vegetables, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, you can obviously share it. So you can rent it together with other friends mm-hmm. and mm-hmm neighbors and obviously you can all grow your own stuff on it so that's the idea of an allotment it's like a garden but it's just not attached to your house it's somewhere shared garden. you walk off to the garden down the road somewhere exactly yeah so um yeah so 2.0 um yeah you you can grow your own stuff but you don't own it mm-hmm. so if the uh, if the guy that owns the allotment says right i'm gonna gonna build a house on it now nothing you can do nothing you can do about it you, you can't you can no longer grow your carrots on that land, and that's no that's what's happened. <laughs> that's what that's what's happened with the internet, to some degree. So there's been uh, quite a few businesses that have struggled. For instance, they've had uh, they've used Facebook or YouTube to I was say, for instance, sell their YouTube, wares. Like you've lost um, when when YouTube changes its rules or its algorithms, yeah, exactly. you have no control over that. Um, exactly. So then you might lose all gain business, but but you don't have control over it. Exactly. And I know a lot, a lot of creators get very frustrated because of the rules around what you can and can't say and do and can't mm-hmm, do. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, their whole business can just be wiped out by yeah. an algorithm change, you know, and all of a sudden, um, they're not allowed to do something or the yeah. way that the algorithm recommends things will change. And so they just, the, the traffic just dries up. Even yeah. if sometimes like you're subscribed to something, it just changes for some reason. That's right. But yeah. So that's um, that's that's the danger of the environment we've got now. So yes, you're you're able to create, but you don't own the creation. Really, you're still whatever you do is still part of that platform, and you have very little control over it. So Web three point is where. So this is where I, I guess because it's the future, if you like, this is where there's arguments about how much of this you're going to get. But the idea is that it becomes much more peer-to-peer stuff. So Mm. actually, um, in theory, you won't be at the behest of these platforms that are determining what you can and can't do and that you're reliant upon. Um, So it's, it's much more, I suppose, in a way, what people dreamt of when they thought about the internet in the early days, a very much more egalitarian kind of everybody being able to to produce content uh, to do what they wanted to do, without this um, this overarching 
corporate structure that we we have currently. I personally have my doubts about that. I I think, I think that's, that's a bit of a pipe. Yeah, thing. I think that's very like um, wide eyed in the sense that yeah. it's not the reason people do rely on platforms is because like, how many people have the capabilities to code their own platform and you know or or like. Yeah, there is. It's more egalitarian in the sense that there's um, sites that can help you make your own websites and stuff where you can run stuff. So you could create your own YouTube for just you. Like there are um, YouTube channels that are like setting up their own pages where all their, you know, previously YouTube content will now be on that. So it's like moving into more of like, I guess, an independent kind of thing. Yeah, although in some respects, I'm not sure that is the problem in that a lot of creative stuff the technical stuff is is now done for you and and can be done for you um it's just that it's actually i think what these platforms offer is the audience you know anybody could put a web web page together i've done it with video content on it but i mean it's, it, well, i've done it for my business for people who are interested in my management training but i know that's not going to attract you know millions and millions of people so actually that's why i think youtube works because i mean there have been other platforms there are other platforms like vimeo and so on that do that are out there that in theory you could use but it just doesn't have the the audience so that for me that's the power that these platforms have you know i could you could i could set up a um, a social networking site tomorrow just doing what facebook does but nobody would join it so i think that that's the issue and i'm not sure how um how this new way of doing things would would improve that would change that you always need uh, some sort of uh place where people virtual or or not where people will go to because they know they're going to get the content they're interested in Mm. Mm. and that's that's the that's the kind of difficulty so anyway that's um but that's part of the reason why uh i think there is there is seen a need for it and that may be why old mark zuckerberg um wants to you know get in at this stage and dominate because uh without it you know he could find himself without that power that he's got currently i don't know i mean it's always big business is always with an intention of growth isn't it so mm. he, he'll he be looking for the next growth area and that's where he thinks it is i think it will be as simple as that yeah yeah you know capitalism's for exploiting the next area of growth so <laughs> yeah virtual or not it's still capitalism isn't it yeah i, I suppose um so the 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 idea is this metaverse idea and, and i suppose um, partly it's it's about people making their own content it's partly about having immersive worlds that you can interact in um, and the argument against the uh, the facebook meta zuckerberg um, vision is that actually we've already got some of those mm. uh, platforms now so i mean i i remember and actually did um I still got an account on Second Life because um, that seemed quite interesting and exciting. So I I got on it and then didn't know really what to do with it. But um, the same promise was on Second Life as is in these other worlds, really, is that, you know, you could do training in there, you could watch films in there, you could have dinner parties, you could meet people and... Uh, find people that are interested in the same stuff and make friends yeah. and live a life really and all, that of, was all of this of probably sounded exciting before the pandemic <laughs> <laughs> it sound it feels a bit tainted at the moment because it's Why? like because we had to and i didn't I want mm. to yeah i could i yeah like i was allowed to see people virtually i spent two years seeing people virtually and i'm done with that now <laughs> it's tiring yeah, and it's not the same for like no it's not is it it's not but i think i think the the difference is you're seeing people virtually through zoom or something is is just a face on a screen talking to them it's a bit different if you're so the, there's games like Fortnite or minecraft and so on that you're actually doing something in these worlds mm-hmm. 
and um, uh, but you've also got ability to create stuff. So you can create your own island, and well, you buy your own island, and then you can create buildings on there. Um, you can actually make your own little worlds through these um, these these games. Um, so in a, in a sense, that's actually game, what this metaverse the game is. Element, yeah, is fine. But I just I enjoy games as purpose to it. But the idea of like I guess second life or virtual life doesn't sort of do a lot for me if mm. you know what i mean because it's just like okay you can just it's not like okay we're going to play a game that's like an activity to do outside of your life it's like go live your life but do like a portion of it in this do you know what i mean i think this is one of the the tricky bits about these uh and this is again but it's a bit similar to the argument when computers and uh, the internet came along as my my uh, family used to say computers what do you want to do with them waste of time um it, i can't see the point you know it's 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 quicker to just do it with a a card and a pen you know write down somebody's details it's easier to do that than it is to have to open up a computer and set up this software and you know do all these records it's much easier to do something else um but it was unstoppable and we felt that it was hard to find the reason or the, the, the point of it, but um, there was a point to it. P- enough people thought it was useful mm. and it's now everywhere, you know, and it's, it's, it's just, we just take it for granted now. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Maybe that's, that's just one of those things that um, the technology like I'm not leads and then you like find it, reasons yeah. for it. I don't know. Like I'm not anti. I like the idea of having it as like a, a thing to do like an activity in that mm. reading a book exists and playing video games exists do you know what i mean like another activity in the world of things to do yeah um i'm just not sure that you know this idea of like the ultimate end being that we do everything in it being do you know what i mean like well so a good example of this um is uh, at the moment i'm looking at how to use it for for my business so i as i've mentioned before i do training um in things like management skills leadership training and also in lean manufacturing now i could imagine so things like management training i i I could imagine a a uh, well in fact i've i've just been playing around with it today actually um there's like a huge you can you can have a a virtual uh, theatre, um, lecture theatre, where you you know people can come and sit down virtually and watch your presentation, and you can deliver this presentation in this virtual world. Mm-hmm. So people would attend it virtually, like they would in the real world. Um, so that's that's one thing you could do. Now the alternative of doing that is obviously either real, you know, do it in real life or to do it like we have been doing it over the last two years in Zoom. Now, if you do it in Zoom, basically what you have is you sat in a, in your living room. Um, maybe if you if you feel like it, you can create a, a background for it. But it's basically you in your living room or your, your study or whatever, talking to a bunch of little thumbnails on your screen. It just doesn't feel the same thing as standing in an auditorium delivering a presentation. The what I've seen so far is there is a, a step up from that in terms of imagine, you know, actually delivering a presentation in a virtual space, which actually does look and feel like a real auditorium. So I think that's the, that would be the benefit. It would be the, the, the more authentic feeling, but without all the cost of travel. So you could have a, an international conference where you had hundreds of people attending virtually and able to interact with each other and with you as a speaker. Um, and I think I can see, I can see some benefit in that, yeah. but whether it's enough to, to make yeah. it worthwhile. I, I can see know. that working. Once we get to, it's just going to be the problem. Here's what I foresee. It's going to be crap for a long time and then it will be good eventually. Um, yeah. As in at the, the, the worst thing, the worst thing my partner said during peak covid when he was doing his um third year physics is they did this one thing it was like a virtual it's meant to be like a virtual um 
room where your lecturer would be and you would be, but you were like a little avatar. You have to use your keyboard to walk towards your lecturer and try and bump into them. And then then your camera will turn on and theirs will turn on. You'll be able to talk to each other. So you're like little Pokemon running up to them, (laughs) trying to bump into each other so you can talk to them. And they might just be like walking away from you and you're trying to get to them. And you know what the best bit is? They didn't pay for the... um, for the plus membership so only yeah. 30 people could be in there at a time oh, and you had to also it was like a hall and you'd have to like walk into the right room and you could end yeah. up in someone else's room so you have to like find the right room then try and find your lecture to bump into them and yeah. i felt like we're gonna have this for a while <laughs> absolutely i mean i've been tearing my hair out today because i've really been trying to get to grips with it all today um because i'm in a way i'm quite excited about the idea of, of trying to uh, there's this whole new potential world to deliver training and developing and so on and i can see some real uses for it but um one of the things that's happened over the years of computing and um, and, and developing software is is the the people that i suppose i would notice this because i was an it trainer but the idea of training people how to use software just just disappeared um in a big way mm-hmm. you know sort of it's 10 years ago to be primitive, isn't it but it's not so you 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 don't you know what, what level do i need for this and what how do i get access to that and you can see what you want to do but there's nowhere that's telling you what to actually how you actually go about doing it you know what i think it is i think it's because of google because everything mm. i google everything you try and work it out i just google it <laughs> but the problem is at this stage there's not enough um people who 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 no, put stuff on google but, so you, yeah. you, because you're an early adopter you're just not getting that so that's a no. you're right and my point is is what you were saying is that there's be, going to be a period where there's going to mm. be a lot of frustration not much help uh, a lot of clunkiness mm-hmm. um yeah and it has you have to get past that in a way to make it to make it a platform that's that's really going to work but i can imagine it you know i can i can imagine um uh, there's there's a, a thing called rec room on oculus quest um I, i've already said that you bought me oculus quest for mm-hmm. for christmas so I'm, I'm sort of that's how i'm exploring this world um rec room isn't a place for old farts like me it's kind of kids going there and um you know i don't know talk to each other um and so there are places where you can meet people and, you know, just get to know people and so on. Obviously, there's some dangers and some risks yeah. in these these things, too, which I guess, you know, we need to talk about as well. But there are. Um, but the, of course, there what are anywhere. Think, what, I was going to say, what do you think about like age gating virtual reality? Because if it's just mm. like well, it's just reality, then how? But it's virtual then you don't age gate children from the world you know you don't lock them in the house until so but what but do you think that, in regard to yeah. virtual reality because that's a different conversation i think there should be some of that personally i i think um um yeah you're right that you don't age gate um reality in the same way but you know if if um I don't know Certain if it, places if you can't go. Yeah, that's right. If you turn up to a children's playground and you just spend all day there um, as a as an old fella, you know, I think I think there would be questions asked and you'd be so asked you, to leave. How, how the re- the reason that's more difficult in virtual reality is mm. you can hide who you are, can't you? And so on. Like people are already asking the question now: yeah. Should um, avatars be allowed, or should you have to be? Um, because of you know online harassment and bullying and mm. trolling, people are saying, should you have to put your real name and your real um, face rather than you know an ab- a, na- a faceless, nameless avatar? Like, should should that be something that you have to do to to partake on the internet to stop this yeah. sort of anonymous hate? So here's my I've thought about this quite a bit and. Um... First of all, on um, the Oculus uh, Quest, on, on that environment, you have to log in with your Facebook account. You have no choice. And your Facebook account has to be you. So um, you can soon find yourself kicked off Facebook as well as, as your Oculus thing, oh, making, so turning it into trouble. a brick. Yeah, yeah if you got yourself... That's mm. kind of good because there's real repercussions for if you're doing bad things. But yeah. because... Because Facebook doesn't actually, I don't know how much they follow through, but there is, it's one of the biggest platforms for like um, fake news and things like that. Mm. So, I mean, 
if you got into trouble enough, yeah, doing that sort of thing, you would get booted. Of course, um, lots of people hate that because they hate Facebook and they don't want to uh, find that they're kicked off Facebook or kicked off. I mean, uh, there have been cases where people have um, hacked accounts, done something terrible on their account, and then basically they've been kicked off Facebook and their three £400 Oculus Quest headset because they can't use it anymore. So, yeah, there is a danger of that. Um, but I think, yeah, there's a, there's definitely a benefit too. Um, the wider point about security, my, my answer to that would be what I think we need, and this goes for Twitter accounts as well. Um, yeah, any social media avatar accounts. Yeah. Any, anything that where you can have a, an avatar or, or just have a false name and, uh, you know, and that there are genuine reasons why you might want to do that. So I know in the XJW community, for instance, um, mm-hmm. often on Twitter, you have people that don't want to use their real name because they're they're actually still Not within the group, or... yeah. yeah, and they don't want to um, reveal who they are because of that. So that's a genuine reason. There's other situations, you know, in some countries, it's really dangerous to be an atheist, for instance, mm-hmm. and so um, you, you want to make that um, you want to hide that fact. Um, what I would, what I would support would be a third-party authorizing software, um, so that essentially you, 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 everybody who wanted an account of these these other types of accounts would have to register with this third party, mm-hmm. um, and that third party then from there you could create a number of avatars, and that would mean that you'd still be. Um, you still be anonymous, but you'd also, if necessary, you, you could be traced. Um, so I, I think that would just set up an extra level. I mean, nothing's perfect, so mm-hmm. you could still, people would still abuse it, I'm sure, but it would it would avoid the issue of either, you know, everybody's got to be out in the open um, or you've got no control at all. That that would be my, um, that would be mm-hmm. my, my solution to that um but yeah i think i think you i'm not i'm not one for complete um anarchy um i can see the benefits of anarchism but i i don't actually on balance i I think we need we need some controls because unfortunately you know not everybody can be trusted some people do bad things um and yeah that when i've been on in some virtual spaces not much there's a uh, there's an app called Big Big Screen, I think it's called, which is like a it's like going to the pictures. So you can you put your headset on and you go into this big screen, and it feels like you sat in a cinema mm-hmm. and you're watching a film or something. Um, at the moment, they've just got like reruns of Star Trek: Next Generation mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But it's mm-hmm. kind of cool because it feels like you sat in a in a room with a huge screen. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I found is, you know, you do get lots of irritating kids uh, mm-hmm. talking to each other and messing about mm. um so you you do have these spaces where you've got um yeah lots of potential interactions which which could be problematic i i think mm. um but yeah it's it, it's a good question and and it it does go to i suppose a, a bigger question about um is the world that we're going to create if we do if this is the world of the future, is that world going to be any better than the one we've got now? I know. I feel like we've got a lot to deal with and we're just like yeah. potentially shifting onto the next thing. It's like, you know? Well, yeah. And I just don't think, I think the, the human nature um, follows us, doesn't it? So, mm-hmm. you know, that the, the utopian idea that the internet was going to be this, wonderful place where everybody could share and now everyone and, just goes the internet's a horrible place and now it's, it's it, some places are vile and and really hard mm. to to be part of so yeah it's um yeah unfortunately it's not going to solve our problems with human nature um the other the other thing is one of the one of the great um dreams i think for for many people is the uh is the removal of things like um well, uh, making it complete free speech. So, you know, there is um, there is no control over what anybody yeah. says. Well, I think we've seen how what happens when you get that. Yeah. Um, you get 
so many crazy ideas and so much false information Mm -hmm. that you end up not knowing what's true you know it just becomes Mm -hmm. um you know anybody can say anything and and somebody's going to believe it and do we again do we want that what's what's the what's the benefit of that you know so it's who polices that though because in the real world we don't like constantly um there's lots of people saying lots of stuff all the time it's just they're saying on a on a platform instead of in their immediate circle i suppose isn't it well i think that the the reason it's different is um news and um understanding about facts if you like Mm. used to and still is to a degree be controlled or be moderated by institutions and those institutions were things like uh, media channels like the BBC Mm -hmm. for instance um, in the UK but also all around the world really people used to trust do still trust to a degree the BBC Um, and and also things like universities and schools and institutions uh, and so on and those those are big top-down organizations that have a lot of bureaucracy to them um, but that have a certain credibility I think we're going in a direction now where literally anybody can publish anything, you know. So the idea of, of having a news programme seen by millions of people uh, by some guy who just sits in a room talking into a microphone, you know, a few years ago, that would have been completely unrealistic. But now that's, that is the Joe Rogan show, you know. So, yeah. it, and that gets to millions and millions of people. Yeah. I mean, we've said again, though, that we need... Um... It's like um, some universities do have, um, they do make content now. And I think that that's Mm. the right step because they will be left behind and they need to, they need to adapt. (laughs) And if they want to share information that, you know, they've found and they think is truthful then they need to adapt and, and yeah, share it on these platforms. Because like we said, universities have all this knowledge and then they gatekeep it behind paywalls and yeah. sometimes not even the ability to pay for it is just behind an academic wall and only other academics can see it you know like mm. this stuff needs to be shared knowledge should be shared it should absolutely um we've we've got to get our act together if we want to make uh science an informed science if you like and not um, just science sociology like because that what is i know it's soft science but it's still you know we're talking i know we often use science like as in the natural sciences but i think you know a lot of what we talk about is polit that's up in arms is politics like humanity subjects a lot of that is what is up in debate constantly and like universities spend a lot of time debating things like hot topics of what is gender like what do we mean by sex and gender and having these conversations but then it's not it's not leaving those particular walls, um, you know. Yeah, so I don't know about individual that. people might, but the unis aren't putting information out. They're not right, you know. Their papers about these things, they're still behind doors, aren't they? They write papers too. Yes, I know, but um... and they're behind doors. There's lots of information I read that nobody has access to, other than of course people at my uni. Or... Yeah, yeah. I, I I don't know. It's 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 difficult. Um in a way just because there's it's not necessarily like there's there's subjective and objective truths right just because it's still academia and it's still conversations having being had in an academic way and these conversations are not being these academic versions of these conversations are, are still behind paywalls and behind gatekeeping so just it doesn't i don't think it has to be I don't think it has to be research in terms of like physics or chemistry or biology to be valuable to the oh, general no, public. No, I, I agree. I, I don't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't disagree that we need, basically we need a different um, system, a different structure so that um, it's accessible to all really. Um, mm-hmm. The difficulties is that 
the very nature of academia is that it's not even if it was there tomorrow available very few people would access it because but there's they, really great lecturers they're so good <laughs> they're so there's really great lecturers mm. that are good at teaching that could mm. do you know part of their like work could be you know podcasts or because there are lots of there are lots of unis that have started doing this where they have podcasts so there's like a weekly yeah. physics podcast at nottingham uni and they they talk about physics topics mm. um or there's like you know youtube channels that do stuff and it's like they could be doing some of that do you know what i mean yeah. that could be out there as part i think that's got to happen isn't it definitely got to mm-hmm. happen let's mm-hmm. um let, let's keep pushing them beyond the point of academics and we care for the betterment of just mm. people generally then we've got to right if we, if we actually want to see things change rather than just ponder how we got here and why they are if we want if, the, if we have a goal we've got to do I something mean, it's been an age-old problem isn't it with the uh, the the whole idea of the ivory tower was literally mm. made for for that situation really so yeah i, I know mm. um Okay, um, we, we've gone off a little bit off piece. The well, yeah, there, there's a couple of other things I do want to mention. One of them I want to talk about briefly because it's something that comes up over and over again when you start talking about Web 3.0 is the, um, is the link to the, uh, the blockchain and um, uh, cyber currency, cryptocurrency rather, yeah. and uh, NFTs. Um, so I'm going to quickly, uh, non-fungible tokens. Right. So is that just non-physical? No, fungible is a, is a word that, um, I must admit I hadn't heard of before I'd heard of NFTs, but I love the word fungible. (laughs) Just say it. Fungible. Fungible. It's great. But these are non-fungible tokens. Um, so maybe we start with, uh, let's not start with non-fungible tokens. Let's start with the, the blockchain. Mm-hmm. Um, so everybody's talking about the blockchain. So the blockchain is yeah, I like, I don't know about the blockchain. Yeah. The blockchain is where you, you end up with cryptocurrencies and you end up with NFTs from the blockchain. So the blockchain basically is uh, an electronic way of keeping track of any transaction. And it the the reason it's it's good is because unlike most um mediation services, so if you want to, to buy a house or i don't know buy a car or something you're going to get out some uh, a loan for that then you essentially go through a middle man or woman a middle um arranger who arranges for that transaction and they keep they basically make sure that that you're paying what you've agreed to pay and the person that's selling you is selling you what they've agreed to sell you and that's the kind of middleman arrangement that, yes, that i happens. do this at work <laughs> indeed um so the problem with that, of course, though, is that um, not everybody operates uh, legally and, and you still have to trust uh, people's um, goodness, I suppose. Mm. But um, the blockchain is, is just a clever way of saying well, every, time, every time a transaction is made, um, a record of this transaction is, think of it as being copied on every single person's computer who has anything to do with it. So literally thousands and thousands and thousands of computers. So if you were to go back on your word and change one of these transactions and just make a little tweak, um, it wouldn't matter because there's a million other records of what you actually made in the first place. So people call it an electronic ledger, which I don't think helps very much when you're trying to explain it because nobody knows what a ledger is. Mm. unless you're an accountant but a ledger is basically think of it as a spreadsheet with records on it mm-hmm. and so um the, the the blockchain is basically just an electronic way of doing that that is encrypted so no one can change it if anybody tries to change it it'll essentially just change it back because not enough of everybody else has agreed that it's changed so it's just a really really secure way of doing business but the beauty of it in theory and in practice is that you don't need a middleman. You essentially can do it. You can do that transaction just simply using the blockchain, mm. which means you don't need the, the broker in, in between. What's so, an example of when, when you use a blockchain then? Like an, do we use them now or is this a future thing? 
well one of the one of the things that you could do is um well yeah i mean you could buy a house you could um you, you mm-hmm. can buy artwork you can buy um you can invest oh, using the blockchain so yeah every, every, at the moment it's it's still fairly niche but in theory you could do everything through the blockchain um and that's where we get to things like cryptocurrency so the idea of bitcoin for instance is Mm -hmm. that um it's essentially using that blockchain so every time you buy something using this cryptocurrency there's a record of that but it's it's done in a way that is encrypted so no one else can see that actual um purchase but it can it, it self polices it if you like yeah. so it, it, it you'll never be able to change it so it's very secure it's highly encrypted and it's in theory very easy to uh, to use um nfts non fungible tokens are basically ways of of using that blockchain to sell things or to have something of value that um is uh, unique so the idea of a of, of a so something fungible is something that is is uh interchangeable so if i gave you a um a pound or a dollar mm-hmm. you could find another pound or dollar in your drawer and give that back to me mm. and it'd be the same yeah it means the same it means the same thing so it's fungible so it's a bit like um people called chris who do acting so actors called chris mm. Essentially, they're fungible. They're all the same, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> you know, Chris Evans, Chris Hemsworth. Hemsworth. They're all the same. So they're completely fungible. Um, whereas this is non-fungible. So if I had a piece of art that I wanted to sell mm-hmm. um, and I, I wanted to make it into an NFT, then I could sell it. And basically, it's it's a one-off. It's a unique. Yeah. Well, the idea thing. with photography is that you promise to only print so many, because otherwise, it's not the value. So it's like, is it is that still fungible? Because you'll only have so many, or is it non-fungible? Because there's only four. Um, I mean that's that's uh, yes. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know whether you uh-huh. call that fungible or non-fungible. What I do know is in in the NFT world. Um, if you buy a piece of art, a digi- mm. piece of digital art, let's say, um, you could spend millions of pounds on that digital art. It doesn't mean to say other people can't copy it and, you know, print mm. it. They can do that as much as they like, but only you would have the rights to the original bit of artwork. And this is where people get a bit um, angry and frustrated with it because it sounds ridiculous. But mm. I think where the real value is going to be is um, for artists who create their own work they'll have control over that forever mm. um, because they'll be able to, um, it'll always be theirs. Even if they sell sell it, they'll still get mm. some um, benefit of that year in years to come where that tends not to happen now. Mm. Um, but all of this is related to this idea of trying to remove the middleman. So if you think about what we've just said about platforms, um, basically holding people to ransom in terms of their content that's another thing that that this new web 3.0 is trying to remove Mm. according to to all the experts so you you could live in a virtual world you could create your own metaverse which is a a world inside your virtual reality headset and you can create stuff in there and that will be yours forever um so yeah that it's the same it's the same principle um cults we've got to do that yeah we've got to do cults so i think one of the things that is bound to happen and i don't know whether it's happened yet but it is absolutely bound to happen is that we are bound to get um groups and individuals uh starting or taking advantage of Mm. these virtual worlds um there was a tv show that i watched a year or so ago called kiss me first i think it's called it's on uk Mm -hmm. netflix it might not be i think it's a british show um but that is for the first time that explored that area of of a cult online and it used all the same tactics that um the cults in the real world does you know the original love bombing and how Mm -hmm. wonderful you are and 
and then you, you get committed to do something and then before you know it you're you're sucked into this this world and so yeah i think that's something just to be really careful of um mm-hmm. and be aware of that people will will start to do these things in the virtual world because they can mm. so i think that's um that's yeah unfortunately likely to happen well there's been like i think given the rising conspiracists and things like that with the internet it's not surprising yeah. is it so and like the natural progression that it will mm. be used also because i mean it will it's just an e that's cults are part as much as they go on about not being part of the world are part of the world and they will take advantage of the same yeah. things that everybody else is so um the j-dubs have been on zoom and i think they're still doing it on zoom in some instances um like going to meetings on zoom so you know because it limits costs doesn't it doing stuff like yeah, that yeah and it's a, it's a place to to recruit isn't it so you keep you know, them the, on i mean yeah, yeah. Definitely you wouldn't have that. to you could, you could remove people from the world in a more aggressive way with vr yes yeah it'd be very easy to ma- manage who you have to do with because mm. you'll be able to work probably virtually um yep. so even if people that have to work in environments outside of the j-dubs will be working in potentially virtual offices going to virtual meetings um, or yeah. the only people they're allowed to see in person could just be the the members or something mm-hmm. like that you know it could be easy to to do that because i'd be like oh limit contact with worldly people by keeping them at an arm's length with with um, virtual reality something like that I don't know. Uh, you know in a few i don't know maybe decades this will be but I think, um, or maybe sooner, but I think, yes, you'll absolutely have situations where um, groups will encourage people to spend as much time in these worlds as possible. Um, I mean, in a way, it's already been yeah, done because people so. want you to, you know, it's always difficult to click out of something. Mm. Um, but that that will become even more um, cynical, I think, to keep people in these worlds as much as possible for as long as possible. Um, so that they're continually able to indoctrinate them with their ideas mm-hmm. and obviously spending money. And that will be another concern, you know. So if you have that coupled with cryptocurrency, which you can just spend very easily in these worlds, um, yeah, you're, you've got all the ingredients for for dangerous uh, cult activity. Yeah. Really. yeah. I did um, I have a book. Uh, that's not with me because I'm away at the moment but um, it's called Picnic, Lightning about reality and I'm dipping yeah. into it periodically it's like, it's like a dense read because mm. it's a philosophy book but um, it was talking about YouTube, a previous worker from YouTube they, they've, they're like refuting it but he's saying that um, basically um, it will purposely feed you stuff that is more and more sort of they're happy to push that kind of conspiracy content or that um, culty content because it keeps you on the platform longer mm. and longer. Um, and that that's all they want ultimately. So the platform isn't trying to create cults, but it's quite happy for them to be there yeah. because they're great for keeping people on the, on the, the platform. And that's ultimately all they care about. I don't think these businesses are like super into cults. Like they're like, this no. is great, but they're, they're, happy to turn a blind eye if it was like mm. because it keeps people on the platform absolutely you, you know, know more people create that content as well then that's right more people you know you're you're getting enveloped in it fear and anger unfortunately is a is a really uh a really good way to keep people hooked onto content yeah isn't it? there's a very interesting thing um someone called ash Hada was talking about why they left youtube for a while so they came out as like um that tra- like trans non-binary so just like a you know a they them person and basically normally their content was just fed to people that like that sort of content and generally just their subscribers but then for some when the album changed to try and just get people to stay on the platform longer it started feeding it to people that watch anti-trans content and people mm. that don't like trans people so it got 
shoved into this place and then they got all the trolls and the people that are anonymous mm. attacking them and stuff like this and it's just all of these problems we've discussed in a microcosm mm. <laughs> um does yeah. it, that's a youtube video in itself like a bit of an essay you can listen to if you want to mm. hear about that because there was um yeah there was a sort of documentary about it that they were talking about as well but um yeah it's um yeah it that that's what it does it, it feeds you stuff to to keep you in <laughs> Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, so there's no reason why that wouldn't happen uh, in the virtual in, world. In the virtual world, yeah. Because yeah. we're kind of, it's 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 treading that line of the virtual world anyway. Because what do we mean? Is it the virtual world when it's fully virtual? Because it's already virtual in the sense that someone you're watching someone in their bedroom do a video. But you know, we're making we're on our way there, aren't we? Yeah, I think I think I'm talking more about these immersive worlds yeah. that um, you you have an avatar if you like to interact in. Um, that's and that mm-hmm. may or may not be through a headset, a virtual reality headset. I think there's some quite immersive worlds that are just on your computer screen. You know, you mm-hmm. can really feel like you're part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think ultimately the, uh, the 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 final expression of it will be a very immersive virtual world where you have a headset um, but very small so you don't feel like you've got a headset on you have gloves on so you've got the tactile feel you might even have a full bodysuit on so mm-hmm. you feel like you're you're in that environment you can feel cold and you can feel hot and mm-hmm. you feel like you've been hit or if you if you play fighting or um you maybe might feel it'd be like, like um psychopaths that anime where um everything's projected mm, you know yeah um so it's like AR, I guess, but like everything's projected, like clothes, bed, like the houses are all basic, but then you project onto them what you want. And yeah, and we haven't and talked about AR, augmented reality, but that's another mm-hmm. possible route. And I believe that Apple are working on something that is mm-hmm. probably going to be more AR we'll see. Um, focused. Yeah. So that, that we're always having glasses with AR promised, mm. aren't we? We'll see. We are, yeah. Um, the, the final thing I wanted to talk about is, is, the question of you know if you could get to a world where the, the the immersion was so great that you really felt like you were you were living a real mm. world i suppose a la the matrix um you know would you get to the point that you you didn't know anymore whether you were actually in a virtual world mm or a real world and and that there's a a particular uh philosopher out there who who basically proposes that we may actually be living in a virtual world now mm-hmm. but we're just not aware of it have you heard of that i think people always say that i don't know which one particular it is that's making the the grand claim but people always say that sort of thing there's a guy called nick bostron who's um He's a philosopher down the road in in Oxford, um, although he's an American uh, citizen, I think, but he lives in the UK. Mm. Um, He has a, he's got a couple of of arguments. Well, one's called the simulation argument and one's called the simulation hypothesis. So, Mm. um, So basically the idea is that, as I said, imagine a world where it is so real that you, you actually believe you're, you're, you're living in the real world but it is a simulation of some sort Mm. and um nick bostron makes the point that you know we know that computer power is constantly doubling and it's um it's just constantly increasing and the Mm what we can do is is constantly getting better and better and better and better and there seems to be very little chance that that is going to slow down massively so we end up with with these very powerful worlds that we're able to create. Um, so he basically comes up with three possibilities and this is called the simulation argument. So these are the three possibilities. One is that civilizations in the whole universe, you know, the universe, as Douglas Adams said in Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, the universe is big. Mm-hmm. It's really very, very big. Mm. You wouldn't believe how really big it is and so on. Um, so the millions and millions and billions of planets that may have 
life on them. Well, obviously, we don't know that for sure, but mm. um, given that, if we take that as a um, as a likely scenario, that civilizations throughout the whole of the universe get to a level of development where they basically invent something that wipes themselves out. So that's mm. one possibility that happens in the universe is that we we get to a point where we basically just too clever for our own good and we destroy ourselves. That's one mm. possibility. Possibility number two is that civilizations reach a point where they they could make multi, um, multiple virtual reality worlds or simulated worlds, but they stop doing it because they, they lose interest in doing it. And the third possibility is that civilizations reach a point where they develop completely believable simulations, so much so that the entities within those virtual worlds don't realize that they're in a simulation. And they themselves go on to develop their own simulated worlds within the simulated world. And those beings that are created in those simulated worlds also go on to create simulated worlds and so on. So if, if you accept um, number three, then you end up with billions of simulated worlds in the universe. So if you accept number three, um, if you were to think, well, we are a world, are we a simulated world or are we a real world? You, if you think about the universe, you're going to end up with a lot more simulated worlds than you are real worlds or base worlds. Mm. Therefore, the chances are we live in a simulated world. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. So that's that's the simulation argument. And the simulation hypothesis is what I've just said about the third one. If If number three is true, and we count the amount of civilizations there are, including all the base realities and the simulated ones, there'll be millions more that are simulated. Therefore, it's most likely that we are living in a simulated universe. Here's what I would say. <laughs> Originally, we would have... Yeah. Cr- when creating a simulation, right? Why this one? <laughs> if if you were creating a simulation, mm. why would you create one where there's where there's racism? Like, because then we're the god of our own world. You see, well, we're right? not though, are we? The, the the creator that created us is. Yes, but like, if we're a, if we're a simulation, right? We're a simulation of whatever created it right yeah so why would we create what is arguably a very imperfect system why would you do that (laughs) well would you create somewhere that is that is full mm. of murder death abuse hunger cancer like yeah loads of natural disasters like what why why well because according to nick bostron um he calls it um ancestor simulation so the idea that you create civilizations that essentially are like your ancestors and actually if you think about the simulations that we create they are aren't they i mean that our favorite game is civilizations and that's got all yeah, the same stuff a, in but it but it's not it? a game is it if you're if the idea is that you create a simulation like to live out your life instead. It's not to live out your own life. It's it's a simulation that entities inside that simulation live in. So this this is not this is not the creator of the simulation living in it. This is a, a, a godlike creator, if you like, creating a simulation, let's say on a computer, and then allowing it to play out. Fine. I just can't see you being okay with this because it's God. It's just well, yeah. This is a interesting I, so I, question. That's, oh, I can't see you being okay with it because it's just the clockwork <laughs> well, god situation, isn't it? Except you're you, like we said, you're using as a language adapts based on where we are in scientific progress. So instead of a clockwork god, we now have a simulation god. I mean, the the difference would would. I'm not saying I do believe in this, but I also wouldn't say that I would disagree because. 
um, it's invoking a thing that I don't believe in. I've said many times that if somebody came along with the evidence, then I would change my mind. Yeah, yeah, so exactly. if somebody but came along with the no evidence... Ev- say, I don't think there is any evidence. I think there's as much evidence for simulation thing in that it could happen as there is like in God in that it could there could be a God. There could be simulation God. Where's the evidence? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the, the evidence is, is only through logical deduction, um, which is what I've just gone through with the simulation argument yeah. and the simulation yeah. hypothesis. Um, I mean, if you think about the argument, you've got three possibilities. So um, to be fair to Nick Bostrom, he's he's actually saying that the simulation hypothesis only only applies if you've accepted the third one, which is that you've, you end up with these millions and billions of simulated universes. If you don't accept that, if you either accept one or two, then that goes away. So it's less than 50-50 really because you've you've got these other two that are also possible. I think the other thing that bothers me about it is that we have such little data to go on. We have only, you know, you I've said this before, N equals one in terms of our experimental understanding of, of uh, life evolving and doing stuff you know we only have our own universe sorry we only have our own civilization to use as a basis on which to make to to make assumptions and logical deductions well one isn't really enough you know we could be completely an outlier the way that we've done things there may be intelligences in the universe but we may be the only one that that is interested in doing um these sorts of simulations you know what i mean it, that just might be uh, uh, from our very social ancestry and that's just we still do it you know but we do it in this strange way so i think it's yeah it's it's um we don't have enough data essentially to know if we if we met i don't know 10 other civilizations then all of a sudden um, if they were all busily making simulations of their own civilizations then i think that would be much more persuasive as a way to to think about that but yeah but i think it's quite interesting i mean the other question would be um what would be the difference so in other words does it matter would it matter you know if you if you have a life it um, would in that we could hack the code and stop global warming plastic turns into (laughs) into um a really good material and is actually good for the planet and grows trees like we just hack the system but imagine if we if we did um become aware of that um then the question would be you know how would you could you communicate with the with the the person or the the entity that created you um i think the other thing to remember is that although you said that would be like a god it wouldn't necessarily be like a god the 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 creator could be you know the equivalent of a teenage kid in their bedroom you know it wouldn't have to be any anything amazing um it could just be an entity that had the ability to create simulations which uh, for me undermines the idea of this this god has to be an om- omnipotent uh you know yeah i suppose the original concept of like someone that can create a simulation of this like size and scale originally like maybe it's now a technology that's like a video game you can buy but someone originally has had to come up with all of that and create individual minds and so on and so on and so on so yeah i mean it would sound sound very very difficult to you and i but um but it could be that um that it's the sort of thing that entities in the universe can do very easily it's just that we are not able to to do that you know i've said many times that that it could be that we have such a limited brain capacity that we could never really understand the true nature of the universe it's a bit like trying to explain to pepper our dog you know what what well what i'm doing when i've got my headset on headset on playing mini golf i mean she just she will never understand that you know she sits there watching me uh completely confused as i crouch with my imaginary putter uh and uh, yeah she'll never understand that will she and it could be that we're just like that we'll never understand it (laughs) 
Well, there we go. Okay. Well, uh, you know, uh, that's a very wide ranging uh, mm. conversation, sprawling, mm-hmm. I would say. I would say, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's kind of fun. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I'm right. stressed. I need to go back on my holiday now. <laughs> Well, thank you very much for listening, everybody. Mm-hmm. And uh, don't forget to like, uh, follow, subscribe, and uh, leave, leave a review. review. Reviews are good. Mm-hmm. I'll remind right. you of the previous rant I gave you. I said, if you obviously don't like this podcast, if you won't leave a review, <laughs> don't don't start me off again. All right. Thank you very much. Bye. See you next time. Bye bye. What should I think about is an evil sheep production.